So we're going to get into the teaching today. It won't be very long, and we're going to get into small groups after that. But, uh, you know, I just thought we're picking up in spiritual disciplines, and we'd have a nice, easy conversation to get back in. So uh, we're going to talk about purity today, <laughs> and uh, just uh, some light conversation for your Saturday morning. But, you know, just to recap... And all these are on the podcast, so if you uh, search on Apple or Spotify, you'll find our Young and Olds podcast, and you can go back and listen. We talked about the practice of the presence of God, we talked about the Sabbath, fasting, community, and Christian generosity. And today, like I said, we're talking about purity, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this talk. I think that if there was any topic that I think needs to be more talked about and understood in the Western church specifically, it actually is a life of holiness and purity and consecration unto the Lord and what that really means and why we pursue that life. Because if I say the word purity, unfortunately, it's become quite convoluted and often attached to feelings of shame. And when I say that word, it probably triggers some emotions in some or all of us. You know, we've probably... If you grew up if you, on the older side of millennial or mid-millennial, you probably grew up in purity culture in the church. I know I was kind of on the tail end of that movement. Uh, I remember, you know, being a, a chapel service one time, signing a paper that I wasn't going to have sex before marriage and uh, just all the aspects of purity culture. And that wasn't necessarily bad, but it wasn't the thing, right? It wasn't getting to the heart. So when we're talking about purity, we got to really understand what are we talking about and why are we talking about this and why does God care? Why does God care about the way that I live? Why does he care about the things that I do? Why does he care about my sexuality? Why does he care about the things that I watch, the things that I listen to? Why does God care? We're going to unpack all that today in the next few minutes. And my hope and my prayer is that we leave with a deeper understanding, yes, but a desire for all aspects of my life, my relationships, my entertainment, my sexuality, that they would be pure before Christ. So whether you want to call it purity, holiness, consecration, sanctification, or one that I've learned recently, uh, Christoformity, which is just becoming in the likeness of Christ Jesus, biblically we're talking about the same thing. It's being set apart for Christ, being set apart for the sake of Christ. That's what holiness means. It literally just means set apart. So when we say that God is holy... That means a lot of things, but primarily it's, God, you are, you're like us, but also totally other than. And consecrated, sanctified, holy, it's all these words that mean that we are in the world, but not of the world, to use that old slogan. It's clearing out the spiritual clutter and making room for godliness to take its place. And there's this fascinating phenomenon that happens when a woman is about halfway through a pregnancy, Okay. And which happens to be right now for me and my wife. Uh, we're expecting our, our second child. We're having a baby girl. And uh, she's about 22 weeks, about halfway through. And there's this interesting thing that starts to happen. And it's called nesting. I don't know if you've ever heard of this term. But nesting is all of a sudden this very scary maternal instinct uh, for a, a soon-to-be mom or a mom who's expecting another baby. And they kind of isolate in the house and start getting things ready. We need more shelves. We need more things. We need more hangers. We got to get rid of this stuff. We got to get this stuff. It's this God-designed maternal instinct in a woman and also a little bit in the husband or the father as well uh, to kind of get rid of some stuff so that we can add what we need to make room for the baby. 
And I say that because following Jesus is this continual journey of addition and subtraction. Our journey with Christ is is this constant journey of addition and subtraction, adding unto my life righteousness through the Holy Spirit and through his word and shedding the brokenness of the world that I may look more like Christ. Colossians 3, 7. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, and rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become more like him. I love this language from Paul that I put on the nature of Christ. And I think that's a one-time thing and also a daily. It's that sal- that moment of salvation when we come to know Jesus, we're putting on his righteousness, my sins are forgiven and I'm covered, but it's also a daily decision and declaration. God, today, January 6th, in a new year, God, I am putting on your righteousness. I'm putting on my new nature once again. But Paul's language here, it's not, hey, be super pure and holy and sanctified, and then God will be happy with you. That's, that's not his language. He says, be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become more like him. It's God saying, be with me, catch my rhythms, catch my heart, and you'll take on my nature. A lot of times we talk about purity as if it's just behavior modification. It's just God wants me to be this way, so I just got to figure it out. And can I tell you, that is not going to stand for the test of time. It's not, that doesn't have deep roots. That's not an inner conviction. Like I said, it's just behavior modification. Now, I was having a conversation with a, another pastor a couple days ago. And we were talking about this topic of sin and temptation and lasting healing from brokenness and maybe things that we've struggled with. And we agreed that you can not sin because you don't want to make somebody angry or you want to have a good reputation or you don't want to disappoint somebody like you can you can not sin for those reasons but true purity is found when the driving force is making the heart of the father glad true lasting holiness purity sanctification consecration whatever you want to call it living for god it is it has longevity and it has deep roots when the driving force is god i want to honor you with my mind with my decisions with my actions because i love you and you love me in a in a more simplified way it's like making your parents proud making your father your mother whoever took care of you growing up it's 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 making them proud and, and I want to be careful because we don't want to get into legalism. Like, I have to do X, Y, and Z, and that's the only time God's going to be happy with me. No, God loves you. He cares for you. But I love my parents, and I want to make their heart glad. And I love my Father in heaven, and I want to make his heart glad. So what we ought to do, we've got to be honest with where we're at, but not be okay with where we're at. I think one of the most detrimental attitudes in our spirituality is complacency. 
One of the most detrimental attributes of our spirituality is complacency. Is you know what? I'm like I'm good. I got my devo time, and I'm going to church and prayer room, and you know I got these things that I'm doing and going on, and like I'm good. I'm gonna shift into neutral for a while. Well, I used to drive a truck that I regret selling every day of my life, but uh, it was stick shift. And, you know, if I'm on the freeway and I'm in fifth gear and I'm cruising and I'm like, okay, I'm happy with this speed. Then I go into neutral. What's going to happen? I'm going to go at that speed for a second, but slowly and slowly and slowly and slowly I'm gonna slow down. And ultimately I'm going to stop. So we, we ought to always be asking God, what are you doing in me? What's in my heart? We'll get to that more in a minute. But just as an example, a few weeks ago, a couple months ago, I went and saw a movie with my friend, and I knew going into seeing this movie there was a couple inappropriate graphic sex scenes. I I knew going into that movie, so I had texted a couple friends beforehand asking, hey, roughly in the movie, where are these scenes? And my friend texted me back. He told me, so me and my other friend, we go and see this movie. And we're watching, and sure enough, there it is. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, pull out my phone. I look down. I'm just distracting myself in the theater. And instantly there was a little bit of shame in me because I could feel heads turning, looking in my direction. Like, what is that guy in his 20s who has no reason to look away from the screen? Why is he looking at his phone? Why, why isn't he just watching like the rest of us are? And I could feel a little bit of the shame from the world, right? Because I was disappointing the world, but you know what, I care so much more about honoring the heart of the Father that I'm like, I'm just not going to set that before my eyes. I'm going to make a covenant with my eyes. God, I don't want to lay my eyes on any unclean thing. And God, I'm going to commit to you to turn away from that because I know what it's going to do in my heart, those images or that scene or or even music, entertainment. Like, I just know what it's going to do in my heart. It's going to settle in my heart like a seed and I might not see the fruit of it tomorrow next week but a few months down the line those things take root and they grow over time first thessalonians 4 verse 3 for this is the will of god your sanctification for this is the will of god your sanctification i think a lot of us were asking god what's your will for my life what's your will for my life and i think his will is differentiated he has different things inside of his will for us but scripture's clear that the will of God is that we would be set apart. We would be a people consecrated unto him and that there would be something different about us. I tell my students all the time, if somebody accused you of being a Christian, would there be evidence to convict you? If somebody, if you're in a courtroom and Ricky's there as the prosecutor, right? And he said, hey, you, the prosecution says you are a Christian. Okay, is there evidence to convict you? I'm going to assume that a courtroom works that way. But, uh, (laughs) you know what I'm trying to say? It's if somebody came up to you and asked you or said, hey, I heard you were one of those like Jesus followers, would there be evidence of your life to convict you, right? Further on, he says, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. So what do we do? Do we just grit down Batten down the hatches and just try. Okay, Lord, I'm just going to be super stinking pure for you. Okay, like I'm just going to lead a perfect life. No, that's, that's the language of legalism and striving and trying outside of the grace of God. So instead, we take the posture of David, two of the most famous Psalms, Psalm 51 and Psalm 139. 
Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast away from me your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. And in Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I love, you know, I would so much rather pursue purity in that way, where it's between me and God or even even counsel that are speaking on behalf of the Father. They have the, the Father's heart in them. They have the Holy Spirit calling something out in me. But in this case, in David's case, Lord, show me, reveal in me, highlight in me. What, where have I gone wrong? God, I want you to offend me. Like, have you ever prayed that? Like, that's a prayer of desperation. Like, God, I want to look like you, sound like you, talk like you, think like you, act like you. So, Lord, would you offend me a little bit? Like, point out the things that offend you. Highlight, illuminate the things. Start in my heart, transform me from the inside out. And she kind of wrote out just language for this practice. We open the word and examine our hearts in the presence of God inviting the Holy Spirit to highlight anything in our hearts and minds and actions that grieve the heart of God, praying for the strength and grace to change and conform to the way of Jesus. I'm not going to lie to you. There is a discipline to this. That's why we're talking about spiritual disciplines. There are going to be moments where you don't want to God, I just want to fill in the blank. God, I just want to watch porn and not feel bad about it. God, I just want to go out with that person and not feel bad about it. God, I just, there's going to be a discipline attached, but I don't know about you, but I would rather get into eternity, get into the fullness of what God has for me, get, step into, step through the gates, into the embrace of my father, and he sees a son or a daughter that said no at the right time and said yes at the right time. And this might catch some of you off guard a little bit, but I was writing out this message and I really felt pressed to share some of my testimony. And it's, I don't want to say scary to do this, but you know, there's, I guess, risk attached or um, risk of either judgment or disappointment or whatever. But I'm going to share just about my story. So from the age of 13 to 22, I had a crippling pornography addiction when I was 13 to, to about 22 years old. That period of time, almost 10 years of my life, I was severely addicted to pornography. And for a long time, I, the thinking in my mind was, nobody knows about this, it's not hurting anybody, but I know it's wrong, so I just got to figure it out. Just got to figure it out. But I finally got some really, really solid Christian counseling, uh, went on the journey with God. Lord, what is going on in my heart, my mind, and my soul? I want to get to the root of this thing. Not the branches, not what you can see. I want to get to the root systems of this brokenness and uproot it from my life. So in the context of counseling with a, a Christian counselor who's fantastic, we kind of discovered in the presence of God with an open Bible, dialoguing, talking, 
there was this narrative that came out from deep in my heart, which is everyone thinks I'm perfect and that's a lot of pressure to carry and I've just needed an outlet to not be perfect. That was that that was like as if I was a pressure cooker and pornography was the release valve where the pressure comes out so it doesn't explode. And when I realized that, that there was this shadow side to me, this dark side of my soul that, you know, if I could just make sure everybody knows that I'm perfect and they don't find out about this thing, because, man, that's a lot of pressure to carry thinking that everybody thinks that I'm perfect or needing to present this, this image to everybody. I grew up, I was the, I mean, my parents were both worship musicians in church all the time. I was... I was called preacher on my golf team. I was the chaplain of our ASB, you know, always like the good Christian kid. That's a lot of pressure to carry. And finally, when we got to the root of what was really going on and got honest with God, that's when real freedom started taking place with accountability in my life and just with getting honest before God, before my wife, before um, we had just gotten married at the time, before my wife, before this counselor, and really being able to say, okay, now we've identified where this is coming from so we can really start working through. It wasn't behavior modification. It was getting around godly counsel in the presence of God, getting to the heart, getting to the heart and God creating a clean heart inside of me. And I'm going to read um, just as we close Galatians chapter 6, verse 8. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful desire sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit. So let us not get tired of doing what is good for at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. I love that language. Living to please the spirit. Let me be honest with you. Pursuing a life of consecration, pursuing a life of purity unto the Lord is going to be ultimately awesome, but it comes with a price tag. It might be friendships that God calls us to maybe sever ties with for a season, or maybe indefinitely. Maybe dating apps that he asks us to delete. There might be contacts that he asks us to delete from our phone. There might be accountability that we need to get in or app blockers on our phones or whatever the case is for you, there is a cost, but it is a worth it cost because at the end of it, I get more of him. I have, it's funny. I have the fullness of him, but I also can get more of him. Does that make sense? I have the fullness of the Holy Spirit, but there's also this lifestyle available to me where I'm continually pressing in more and more with him. And I feel even closer and closer and in deeper relationship and in a walk with him. So as we close, we're going to get into small groups. And I know it might be daunting, scary with this topic to talk in small groups. So share what's going on with you at your discretion, at your comfort level. Try to keep the small group questions relatively light, but we're, remember that we are all in process. My favorite verse in the entire Bible is Hebrews ten fourteen. By for by that one great sacrifice, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. We are in process. You are in process. I am in process. I was I once again this last week came face to face with the fact that I still have an anger problem. I've been a Christian for 15 years. 
like sold out for Jesus, walking the walk. I've been a pastor for seven years, but I'm, I just realized this last week, there's still like this kind of low burning anger deep in my soul. So I'm bringing that before God, Lord, extinguish that flame and put the flame of the spirit there instead. Father, we thank you for your word. God, would we be a people that don't shy away from the topic of holiness, sanctification, purity, consecration, all that, Lord, would we embrace, would we embrace your grace that empowers us to live free. Lord, this isn't striving. This isn't doing better. This isn't being better. This isn't behavior modification. This is getting with you in your presence and in your word, opening ourselves up to the Holy Spirit changing our desires, changing our appetites. Father, would we not shy away from conviction? Would we not shy away from conviction? Would we embrace conviction? Would we be open to it? God, even right now, would you begin to illuminate stuff in us? Illuminate stuff in us, the things that we've looked at, listened to, thought about, dwelt on, said, done, acted like, our motives, our intentions. Would you convict us, empower us by your grace with your Holy Spirit to pursue a life pleasing to you, like a sweet aroma rising to your throne, God. Not because we wanna be holier than thou, not because we wanna be the super elite, gold star Christians. No, Lord, we want to be people who love you and are in tune with your spirit. And there is, a, there is something different about us that attracts the world, not to us, but to you. In your name, amen.